Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, happy Saturday night, Seattle, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your master mixologist, uh, commodore of cocktails, and, uh, well, let's see, uh, the, the magician of mocktails today will be. I've got another great show uh, on tonight's radio. This is uh, We're here every Saturday night, 6 to 7 p.m., Right here on 570 KVI. If you ever miss a show, uh, don't fret, don't worry. You can go right to our website, happyhourradio.net. We've got the whole host, of lineup of shows, great guests, and some events and information. So share it with your friends, post it on Facebook, uh, and have a good time. We also have a Facebook page called Happy Hour Radio. If you're out there in the Twitter sphere and you want to tweet, 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 uh, we are Happy HR Radio, at Happy HR Radio. But uh, it is October, and uh, there's the chill in the air. The the darkness is looming, and uh, it's time for thinking about cocktails and parties and staying inside and, and having fun. Uh, of course, if you're on the football field, Sundays and Saturdays, you're out there. And I've got some great ideas for uh, some mocktails and some cocktails, because it's that time. Um, I've got a, a wonderful guest, Rebecca Servas, who is the founder of um, a really cool beverage product called the shrubbery and i'm going to say rebecca welcome to happy hour hey christopher hi so um you and i were chatting i've had the pleasure of tasting uh what do you call them the shrubs what's the name of this yeah so the company is a combination of play on words and a nod to my friends the monty python group uh so it's called the shrubbery shrubs are a vinegar-based syrup that is sweetened with sugar and fruit it's really, it's that simple. But what you get out of it is this really complex and wonderful, sweet and tart, acidic and fruity drink mixer uh, that is really, really fun. You can just pour it in seltzer water and it's like a soda, or you can use it for making mocktails, use it for making cocktails. Um, it's really a pretty versatile little little gizmo. And it's called The Shrubberies, your business, and you have a website? Yeah, drinkshrubs.wordpress.com. Wait, say that again, nice and slow. <laughs> drinkshrubs.wordpress.com. Yeah. Okay. And on the website, what I do is I talk about uh, the cocktails that I'm currently making, the flavors that are coming up, um, any fun events that we're doing, um, holiday shows that we're going to be at. Uh, we talk about how to use these in ways that are fun and delicious, and um, we talk about mocktailing. We talk about cocktailing. Mocktailing, I like that. Yeah, I made it a verb. Drinkshrubs.wordpress.com. Okay, so Rebecca, the shrubbery. Let's talk about this. Uh, this isn't a new thing. This goes back a couple centuries, right? Let's give me some history about this idea of making vinegar-based beverages. Yeah, shrubs are... I like to tell people shrubs are... Uh, edible antiques or edible history. What you say in the history is that they started off in sort of the Middle East uh -huh. as this fruit and sugar and flower water beverage. And it was called Sharbat or something similar. My pronunciation is probably off. Um, and then the English got a hold of it. 
and they were very excited because they simultaneously needed to preserve citrus fruit that was coming in from oh, the right. Americas. Yeah. Um, this is all the scurvy. Yeah, this is all early 1700s. Uh, they needed a way to preserve those very expensive lemons and oranges that were coming in. And they needed a way to mask the flavor of seawater in rum that had been smuggled into the country. So thank you, pirates, uh, for helping make something delicious. <laughs> English and, pirates, huh? <laughs> funny. Privateers at the time, yes, I think, probably. Um, but they would take the rum and tie the full barrel to an empty barrel and chuck it over the side oh, of the ship and put it in the ocean and wait for the coast to be clear of the Coast Guard. And then they would drag this rum up on onto and shore. So the water would leach in there. And, yeah, and... it's it was invariable that you would get a little bit of salt water in your rum, but you've you spent time, you've spent money, you have You ain't thrown it away. No, you're not gonna throw it away. So they would take this this flavorful concoction that they were making with citrus fruit and sugar and brandy um, and mm. they would add it to the befouled rum, and that was the original grog. Uh, that was grog? That was grog. For some reason, I think grog was more of a, of a beer beverage. Uh, lime juice in rum is what we kind of do now. But yeah, the original grog was citrus juices that were preserved with sugar and brandy. Well, that makes sense because there's something in the uh, the Nordic countries called glug, mm -hmm. and that's it's got very citrus. Very similar, yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. So the shrubbery is an idea that dates back. Um, it's kind of born out of necessity. And mm -hmm. interesting enough that being in the, the uh, Arabic states, that's kind of where perfume was started, too, from the Morocco and into that whole Muslim area. Those guys were into distilling, yep. creating perfumes, so it makes sense that they're matching fruits and flowers and, and other things, and it turns into this great beverage. Yeah, and then when the U.S. got a hold of it, uh, we didn't have the kind of infrastructure uh, for, for grain growing, for distilling, that was allowing brandy or spirits, distilled spirits, to be sort of throwaway food preservation items. But what we had a lot of was cider. And when cider goes bad, it becomes vinegar. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, we were we were primarily uh, hard cider drinkers till about the mid-1800s. Right, because we weren't, we were growing grains for food versus grains for, for making beer. Making yeah. beer and then distilling it, right. So, around about late 1790s, early 1800s, you start to see recipes for this stuff called shrub that's made with seasonal fruit, um, a lot of times made with berries, uh, raspberries being a very popular one, macerated in vinegar and then sweetened with sugar. And it was a way to preserve these fleeting berries. Right. I mean, when you've got a six-week growing season for something. Because you didn't you have alcohol. Win. Yeah. Well, you did you, have alcohol. You had cider, but it wasn't high enough proof to, to maintain, uh, uh, you know, kill all the bacteria. Yeah. And as, as we got more and more distillation through the 1800s, they became a flavoring ingredient for cocktails in, you know, in inns and So in the shrub stuff still existed side by side yeah. next to this new burgeoning uh, spirits cocktail industry. and spirits industry. And as you start seeing cocktails emerging in about the 1820s, very quickly people are picking this up as a cocktail ingredient. Um, you've got bitters coming in, which are medicinal originally, and of course we're putting those in our alcohol to make cocktails. And as it goes through and you 
you see through the 1800s the the creation of of cocktail culture um shrubs are just right there they're right a part of it and then prohibition hits <laughs> <laughs> and everything sort of goes out the window um well it, it was still around we had speakeasies and of course bootleggers and that's all that stuff how yeah. we got great story on KCTS 9 it's got uh, the history of prohibition right mm-hmm. by Ken Burns but check that out what's really interesting to me is is with prohibition this sort of bootleg culture what it's giving you is it's giving you quick and fast as opposed to crafty and cultural and so some of those flavor profiles those ideas of of making these really luxurious cocktail beverages that's not really something that people are doing much anymore um because you've got to be quiet about it and you've got to not raise any suspicions oh yeah the speakeasies right so speakeasy and uh but now with the craft cocktail movement here in Seattle and in other cities, uh, everything old is new again. Everyone is getting really excited about pre-prohibition spirits, pre-prohibition cocktail components, pre-prohibition era uh, recipes and ways of, of encountering and uh, mixing. And and this is one of the ingredients that is coming back, a this revival. This is one of those things that's having a revival. Um, Very exciting. And I love them. I just love them. <laughs> I, me too. And that's why when I was tasting uh, these on several occasions, I was like, gosh, this is really interesting. And I get it. I would make these back at my former gig uh, at that private club where I would have to do something. Because you're looking for complexity. People who may want to abstain from alcohol for whatever reason, they still want to have an experience. And you could certainly provide that with uh, with acid, tannin, fruit, mm-hmm. maybe some sugar and things like that. Have the pleasure with speaking with Rebecca Servas, who is the owner-founder of The Shrubbery, which is this really cool boutique. Um, everything is brand new, that is old, <laughs> kind of uh, concoction. It, it's a, it's an accessory to uh, enjoying life with either alcohol or without alcohol. And her website is drinkshrubs.wordpress.com. So, um, when, when did you start this business? We actually just had our one-year anniversary at the beginning of this of uh, September, and that was such a huge, huge milestone for me. Um, was one of these situations where I had a corporate job, and <laughs> I'd been considering doing this as a side project, and then I didn't have a corporate job. And my family and my spouse were like, no, go go do this thing. This is a thing that you're passionate about. We support you. We love you. Um, my grandmother was very generous in giving us our seed money. And my husband has been amazing in, <laughs> you know, schlepping me to and from events. Is he the, <laughs> is sort of the guinea, the guinea guy kind he's, of thing? He's my mocktail guinea pig. Um, uh-huh. It's funny that you talk about... Uh, using these in ways for a, an experience even when you don't drink um a lot of my mocktailing experience is because of him um i tell people i'm a professional lush um but my husband you getting paid <laughs> yeah, well sometimes um but my husband doesn't drink uh, um he's not it's just a personal choice yeah, he's not cool. into alcohol um and we go out to these wonderful craft cocktail bars. I get a yummy cocktail with house infused this and you know house made that, and he gets a sprite. Ah, uh, sprite! Ooh, yeah, no Yuck. fun. Um, <laughs> and so at home, we've been doing a lot of experimentation in shrubs plus bitters plus this just wonderful array of bubbly things that exist 
in shelves these yeah. days. We have these wonderful boutique sodas, dry soda here out of Seattle. There's the Soda Jerk, um, and he makes amazing things. You can you can the buy. Gal Pike it. Place makes soda too. Yeah, there's there's the gal down at at uh, Pike. Um, there's just so many fun boutique sodas, and bubbles plus shrub plus bitters equals mocktail. Yeah, um, quick and easy. And if you can't even do the little bit of bitters, you can still muddle citrus peel or fresh herbs. I mean, or... most people have some of that cool stuff in their in their spice yeah, cabinet Yeah, I mean, already. most people already have a lot of these ingredients at home, and so adding just this little bit of something that's tart but sweet but fruity but acidic, it gives you all of those those notes out of a balanced cocktail, but you don't have the alcohol in it. And you're, they're still very sippable. Um, no one's glugging these down because mm. they're they're quite complex. And, and typically, no one glugs down a, a cocktail unless you're doing shots of Fireball like those uh, fraternity brothers of mine out of college. Um, well, Rebecca, I know that you've per- you've brought a line of your, your goods here. Tell me quickly, what are the names of some of the products we have today? Sure. Today, uh, we did a little bit of a range. So I brought our zesty tomato shrub. Um, it's a savory shrub, which was kind of a fun uh, thought experiment for me, but also came out really delicious. Uh, that one is made with heirloom tomatoes grown here in Washington, uh, locally grown chili peppers that have been fire roasted, and then uh, it's got whole lemons in it, including the the peel and the pith, because I like all of those flavors. Mm-hmm. And we also brought our blueberry cinnamon which Ooh. is a beautiful transitional flavor. It's got gorgeous big blueberries in it, stick cinnamon infusion into our vinegar. Um, that one actually has also a sherry wine vinegar as the base. I love it. So yeah. what do you call these? We have the tomato. The zesty tomato. And then the, c- the blueberry, blueberry cinnamon. cinnamon. And then the last one that I brought is, I kind of figure this is sort of my flagship because it's the only thing I make all year. It's our peach brown sugar shrub. I like that. Hold that thought. When we come back from this break, I want to start diving into, we'll finish the description of the peach brown sugar shrub, which these really sound fantastic. I'm so excited. And I know that uh, uh, I'm almost ready for a Bloody Mary being 6 p.m. <laughs> or 6.15 now. Uh, so excited to have everybody here on Happy Hour Radio uh, talking about the shrubbery and the shrubs with Rebecca Servas. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. I'm Bruce Milligan with Tequila Celestial, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chen on 570 KVI. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI, want to know weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back for round two. Uh, enjoying some mocktails and some cocktails tonight. Uh, I've got the lovely Rebecca Servas, who is the founder. Of the we're having we're having a shaker mishap. Uh oh, it's exploding. <laughs> um, our cocktails and mocktails are just uh, all over the place. And uh, Rebecca Servas is the founder owner of the Shrubbery, which is an ancient. Well, I should say ancient. Um, I'd say antique. An antique uh, style of uh, preserving fruits and and making beverages. So. Um, Rebecca, we were just chatting about the tomato water, the uh, blueberry, cinnamon, and now we have peach and brown sugar. Tell us about this last one. So peach brown sugar is one of the first ones that I made for commercial production, and it 
has stayed near and dear to my heart. It's the only thing I make year round. Um, so I like to think of it as my flagship. And it is just lush, gorgeous peaches, brown sugar, little touch of vanilla bean, and then uh, cider vinegar. Oh, man. And it's my bourbon baby. Cool. It just wants to be friends with bourbon. That's all it wants in life. <laughs> well, this is great because uh, what's what's so fun about these uh, these shrubs, you call them, and they're eight-ounce jars or eight-ounce bottles. So I bottle in two sizes uh-huh. for commercial. Um, I bottle in a 16-ounce size, which is what I uh, sell at my craft shows. It's what I have on shelf at my various retail outlets, uh, which are Sugar Pill, Dealerenti, and Copperworks Distilling. Um, and then... I do for my farmer's markets, I also produce an eight ounce size. So they have, um, there's a lot more people who are willing to experiment with me at that farmer's market level with a little bit of a smaller investment. So I make a very limited amount of those. And, uh, well, what a special. price point are we talking about? What kind of investments does it take to enjoy yourselves so thoroughly? Sure. So a 16-ounce bottle is $18, and a 10-ounce, I'm sorry, an 8-ounce bottle is $10. And they are like a pickle, so they're going to be shelf-stable until you open them. They go in the fridge afterwards. They'll last you four to six months. And how many cocktails, uh, ideally, do we get out of uh, an 8-ounce bottle or 8-ounce bottle? Yeah. So a cocktail is going to take between three-quarters of an ounce of shrub and an ounce of shrub. Okay. And so you're going to get anywhere from... Eight to ten or twelve. Great. So that's that's great for a round of drinks. Yeah, absolutely. No, these are these are perfect for uh, an evening in with a couple <laughs> of your friends. Um, drink responsibly, folks. Yes. Uh, or <laughs> you can also uh, use these actually as a punch base, which I love doing. That's um, how I tasted yours. You made a big, yeah, I made a big vat of punch, punch yeah. uh, with. Football season coming up, um, I do something with these that's a bit like a shandy, uh-huh. and it's shrub and beer and seltzer water and some fruit, and wow. it's occasionally we add some additional spirits to that, <laughs> uh, and then we wonder why we're hammered by halftime. Oh well, I don't know. It's <laughs> just, stuff happens. It's Shrubs thing. happen, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, but because they're also such a wonderful punch base, if you do have people coming over that are not drinkers, back to this idea of mocktailing, you can make them in batch. Yeah, with some bitters and some seltzer and some shrub, and again, you have this really wonderful beverage that you can serve to your guests. complex, tasty, and delicious. Yeah, and people don't drink for a lot of reasons. Either they're just not fans of it, or they're on medication, or they're pregnant, or religious reasons, or personal reasons. And I I like the fact that this particular product straddles both worlds, that you can have yummy, yummy cocktails, but if you're not drinking, you're not left out of the party. Well, uh, you, you're leaving me out of the party right now. I need to start <laughs> tasting some of these products. So the first cocktail uh, you made, and this is the same ingredients for a mocktail except without the tequila. So the yep. first one is a Bloody Maria. Now tell me again about the tomato product. The... So this this particular cocktail, we call it Sanguine. Uh, it is our nod to the bloody. It's our zesty tomato shrub, uh, about an ounce, with silver tequila. Uh, in this case, we're using the El Humidor silver. I like it's a little vegetal. And then lemon bitters, if you like them hot, Scrappy's makes a firewater bitter that is basically just habanero bitters. So good. It is really tasty. And then um, just to help open it up and give it some some looseness, uh, we're using dry sodas, lemongrass soda. Um, you can also use their cucumber. Both are delicious. 
and it's going to give you a lot of those notes of a Bloody Maria, but not be quite as heavy. Heavy. And that's what I, I like about it, because the heirloom tomato water that you use is, is so fresh and delicious that you don't, you don't need the really heavy constituted, reconstituted tomato juice mm-hmm. that you typically get, which can be very filling. This is a very lithe cocktail. I like the whole idea of being sanguine. And, uh, of course, you know, that's uh, for some... Is that, there's a word for blood somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, quick shout out to all of my Firefly uh, fans. Uh, sanguine, as we all know, is, is means hopeful, but it also means bloody. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I love this. And so you put, this is about an ounce of uh, the tomato and then uh, two ounces of... Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And then um, lemon bitters, either the Fee Brothers lemon bitters or the scrappy black lemon bitters, either one of those is delicious. And it just adds that level of complexity that you're looking for. Yeah. That's for. really a martini drink. That's how lithe it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you can put that in an upshell and really enjoy it. So the next one is this beautiful, vibrant blueberry. It just really looks like blueberry juice. It yeah. must be. So how did you make this? So this is our blueberry cinnamon shrub. Um, we've paired it with the sun liquor. Uh, hedge trimmer gin, which is a locally distilled gin. Little lemon bitters. Um, that's my theme. I love lemon bitters. I put I them too. in all the things. Uh, and just again for some looseness, we've paired it with the dry uh, lemongrass soda again. And I I like adding the soda to a shrub cocktail because they can be very. Um, assertive and they can also be very uh, rich and a little thick on the palate and so adding that little bit of effervescence just gives your mouth a little bit of room to navigate yeah, a little the dilution, flavors. a little sparkle as well and I taste this, uh, the blueberry first hits you but then you get that thin layer of uh, botanicals from the gin and it finishes with that cinnamon. Uh, this has obviously less acid than the, or there's more sugar in here, which is it? <laughs> Same amount of acid? Um, there's Way more sugar. Uh, so the tomato is a savory shrub, and I really did not want it to become cloying or overly yeah. sweet. So there's very little sugar in that particular shrub. This has a, f- a fair bit of sugar in them. Um, it's is that also... natural sugar from the blueberries, or do you do you? Oh have no, to add... I add cane sugar. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, because the vinegar that I'm using has a wonderful assertiveness. Um, we need to round those edges off to. What vinegar did you it. use for the blueberry? The blueberry is a blend of white wine and sherry wine vinegar. Oh, the sherry, yeah, yeah, I the love sherry that complexity. is so good. Um, anytime I can get my hands on it, I want to use uh, wine vinegars that are a little out of the ordinary. I have. Um, a distributor that I work with in California that does sherry, they do Cab Sauv, they do Vin, uh, Zinfandel, they do uh, Chardonnay oh, and Champagne. So I play with those flavors Fun. as often as possible. I've got something for you that I'll talk to you off air because I don't want to give it away and have anybody go, I got an idea. Well, finally, let's mm-hmm. talk about your tried and true, your passion, your passionate peach. What do you call this one? So this is our peach brown sugar. Um, I call this... Georgia by way of Kentucky. Uh, It's a nod to the Kentucky Mule. So a a Kentucky Mule is lime juice, ginger beer, and bourbon. And what we've done is we've swapped out the lime juice for the peach brown sugar shrub. A little bit of bourbon, a little bit of ginger beer. Um, So good. It is amazing. (laughs) I just took a taste. I'm like, in heaven. That is one of the most fantastic bourbon-based beverages I've mm-hmm. ever had. I think the peach is perfect. It's juicy, but it's not oversweet. Sometimes peaches can be too sweet because you lose that acidity. But you add just some lime juice to this because that kind of gives it a pop. There's something in there. It's the acid from the vinegar. Vinegar, wow. Yeah, no, there's no lime juice in this at all. Um, 
the vinegar replaces the acidity of the lime juice. And what I love is lime and, and ginger together are beautiful, but they enhance the sweetness of the ginger beer in a way that can sometimes get a little intense. I agree. And what ginger's I, also very spicy. Very spicy, but it's a sweet spicy. Um, the peach brown sugar shrub, it plays off of the notes in the bourbon. It lets the ginger be more spice forward than sweet forward. And it's just, I love sipping these on a warm afternoon and just, yeah, it's it's kind of my, it's my laziest cocktail and it's my go-to. <laughs> Maybe because it's my laziest cocktail. Maybe because it's sure. so good. These are all really fantastic. How fun is this? So if folks, if you ever want to, to really spice up or, um, you know, add, inject some life and, and complexity into your beverage menu, uh, try out the shrubbery. The shrub, these shrubs are fantastic. They're clean, they're pure, they're well-balanced, and a little goes a long ways. And Rebecca, where can you get these again? So there's a number of places that you can find me. I am at the uh, Capitol Hill Broadway Farmers Market odd weekends. So every first, third, and fifth Sunday. If I'm not there, you can still get your fix by going to Sugar Pill on Capitol Hill, De Laurenti, which is at Pike Place Market, or Copperworks Distilling, which is just down the way from Pike Place on Western at, well, I think technically it's Western and University. Awesome. And the names we try, we have the tomato. The zesty tomato, the blueberry cinnamon, and the peach brown sugar. Awesome. It's incredible stuff. I'm so happy that you're here. And as a mocktail or a cocktail, it's absolutely delicious. Rebecca Servas uh, of The Shrubbery, drinkshrubs.wordpress.com. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks for having me. Wow, what a treat. So, folks, you got to try these products. I mean, this is really, it's perfect. The complexity and the flavor and the balance are absolutely f phenomenal. They're delicious, amazing. And um, you're going to be the hit of your party. <laughs> and you don't have to work too hard because making this is probably harder than you think. So grab a bottle and stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Give us a tweet, Happy HR Radio. I'll see you on the next side. Hi, this is Ernesto Baida, winemaker for Catena Zapata Wines. You are listening to Happy Hour Radio at 570 KBI. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KBI, want to know weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Well, if you ever thought about drinking vinegar, um, you know, some people think it's a bad thing. But uh, those shrubs, uh, beverage uh, vinegars are absolutely amazing. So I suggest you check them out. Uh, Rebecca Voss, uh, shrubs, uh, shrubs vinegars. So delicious and complex and really, really unique. So something, uh, it's actually good for you. I think that's the new paleo thing. Everyone's drinking vinegar, um, which can't go wrong. Uh, coming up next, I've got another segment uh, from my uh, long, long party time up on Premier on Pine. This is part of the uh, SIP Northwest Magazine fifth anniversary party. Um, Going to meet with 
with, uh, well, Sandy with Salish Sea Organic Liqueurs. Coming up next right here on Happy Hour Radio. You've got some really pretty bottles here. I see six liqueurs in front of me. Let's talk about, when did you start? Okay, my son is Sam, is the distiller, and he started making these about six years ago. And about four years ago, we got serious about doing it as a business. And so he lured me out of retirement to go back to working 60-hour weeks. And uh, we're having a blast. Well, obviously, it keeps that gray in your beard, which is good. And that <laughs> keeps you sexy. So um, he, was, he was playing around with some maceration early on, because I, I did that as well. Yeah, he was really into mixology, and he was really into working with organic and the al- alchemy of uh, creating liqueurs that were balanced and smooth and really fullness of flavor. That's fun. Well, um, so Salish Sea is located in Lacey, Washington, and I was driving past that just uh, well, just the other day. That's just, just past Olympia, correct? That is just north of Olympia. Just north, right. Well, it's just, yeah, I guess which way you're going to pass. Um, so you have six flavors. Let's talk about the, uh, the portfolio of the Salish Sea liqueurs. So currently we have 18 different flavors. They're all handcrafted, small batch, organic, certified organic liqueurs, and they're all made a gallon at a time. One gallon at a time? Yep. A typical run will be about 60 gallons, and then we we taste test them for quality, and they all get blended together, filtered, and bottled. Oh, I see. So you make uh, 18 different versions of your spirit, one gallon at a time, but it's 60 gallons at a time. Yeah. Typical run's about 60 uh, gallon carboys. All right. So where where did all these um, infusions come from? And let's talk about that, because there's several ways to make a liqueur. Obviously, you can percolate it, macerate it, um, added some flavors, etc. How do you actually produce these liqueurs? So these are an aged product. They take about 30 days to make, and they're made with a variation on cold maceration. And... Um Okay, well, the, let's see. The proof's in the pudding. Why don't you pour me um, the the gin, ginger one? Uh, and I see this. This looks... Uh, all of them are dark right now from this point of view, but the ginger is a little uh, rusty orange color, which is intriguing. And, of course, I like ginger being, uh, well, you know, growing up uh, with an Asian background. So tell me what I'm going to taste here with the uh, ginger. Now, tell me the name of this one. It's just ginger liqueur. But what you're going to taste uh, in a small sip for your first sip, because it has an intensity to it. We use dried ginger root, and uh, we source our herbs and flowers from all over the world. They're the top quality that anybody can find anywhere. And so about a pound of dried ginger that's chopped goes into each gallon of liqueur that we make. Wonderful for mixed drinks, for uh, you know uh, cocktails, and for culinary uses. Interesting. So let's talk about the culinary uses because I can get this. Um, it has a moderate weight in the, in the palate, maybe moderate to moderate plus. Um, there's just a hint of sweetness, but there's certainly a fiery, peppery ginger bite on the front attack, and then it finishes with this dry. Um, a very there's a little bit of tannin here. That must be from the dried ginger. It is. It is. You know, we find that when we tried it with fresh ginger root, it really didn't have that intensity of flavor, and that's what my, that's what Sam was after. And so you said a pound of gin, dried ginger goes into how much? Into each gallon. Into each gallon. And so uh, I guess uh, there's six bottles to a gallon. A pr- five, right? Five, yeah. Okay. It, it kind of varies because it, since they're all handcrafted in small batch, you know, it, each batch is going to vary a little bit. So our our proofs run, you know, uh, the ginger is usually about 40 to 42 proof, but there'll be a little variation, even though the formulation is identical each time between the uh, ginger root 
and the aging process, there's always going to be a little variation in it. Well, let's talk about the base spirit. Obviously, you've got uh, some great um, additives to, to make liqueurs, but where does the base spirit beca- come from? Because I, I find it to be rather smooth. It is. It's very smooth, and it's about the best. We were not in the business of creating our own neutral grain spirits. So we did a lot of taste testing, of because first of all, it had to be certified organic, and that kind of limits you. And we did a lot of taste testing to find what we think is one of the best uh, neutral grain spirits out there. Okay, now is that something in a bottle that most people can purchase as well? Absolutely not, no. We get it in 55-gallon drums. Uh, but that must be a distillery that actually produces their own organic spirit. They're a national-level distiller, and they, uh, they don't sell to the public. Very cool. Well, it is delicious. It really, it has quite a smoothness to it, and even though it's made with wheat, uh, you know, we, we tested uh, corn and sorghum and wheat, a wide variety, and then did, did a bunch of experimental runs with the liqueurs, and the wheat turned out the best. Interesting. Well, why don't you pour me a little bit of the hibiscus, because that sounds really interesting to me. And I, I must say, so this is really a vodka that you're adding uh, your flavors in. Are all of the, the um, additives or the, the flavor profiles come from dry dry um, origin? Everything except our nectarine, which will be available in about three weeks. That's made with uh, organic, fresh Washington nectarines. It's a limited run. A limited run, just there'll be about 80 or 90 cases. That's it until next summer. So interesting that you say fresh. That, does that mean um, they, it is a little uh, less expressive? Yeah. I have or more fresh? Uh, <laughs> um we made this the nectarine liqueur last summer and it turned out good we tasted the batches a couple days ago that we'll be bottling this friday and saturday they're just it's just phenomenal this was a really good year for nectarines from eastern washington well it was a great summer for sure here in seattle so uh, this this hibiscus um that obviously must come from dry hibiscus flowers it does it comes it actually comes from egypt it's very exotic. Um, I like that fact that hibiscus has some acidity. Very floral taste, but it's more of a, um, a black raspberry meets uh, pie cherry. Yeah, we've had, you know, we've had people, you get the sweetness on the front, and then on the back you have some tartness, and we've had people say it reminds them of wine or pomegranate. Oh, pomegranate's a good one, yeah. Yeah. And is the sugar, is this back added? Do you add sugar just to balance that, or does the biscuits have natural sugar? Um, since I'm not the distiller, I can't really say. <laughs> well, okay. Well, it certainly tastes great. Now, where can we find Salish Sea organic liqueurs here in King County? In King County right now, Wine World is the only uh, place that has our product right now. But we just signed a contract with KBI Craft Distributors, and they will be moving our product up and down the I-5 corridor and across the state. So I expect it will be readily available. Right now, people can come to our tasting room in Lacey. We have uh, 18 different flavors that are available for tasting and purchase out of the tasting room. Great. Where's the tasting rooms in Lacey, and what are the hours? Wednesday through Saturday, 12 to 6, Sunday, 12 to 4. We're located at 2641 Willamette Drive, Northeast, Suite D, and we're about a mile from Cabela's and near Shipwreck Beads. <laughs> I've driven by that recently. So tell me what you uh, this would cost retail for most folks, and I, I know this would last a long time, so I'm sure the price is significant, but this is such a potent and powerful and actually well-balanced, delicious liqueur, the two I tried. What is the price at? 
So um, I think you're going to find the price to be in the high 30s or the low 40s for a fifth in the liquor stores up here. Obviously, our pricing down at the distillery will be less than that if people come down. Ah, oh, well, that's the deal. Well, you know, knowing that um, being in the bar business for so long, uh, I recognize that there's a shelf life to some of these. Have you had some testing and some study about uh, the, the ageability of these liqueurs? Well, we use these um, closures that are kind of... Uh, Oh, right. So you've got the uh, the old uh, cider cap closure. Exactly. And we've had bottles since uh, my son's been making these for about six years. We've had bottles that are half drunk, been closed for a year and reopened. Absolutely no changes. Great. They're sealed. There's no aging issue. I see. I should say the Grosch beer enclosure is more appropriate for that. Well, Sandy Desner, your, your website? Or uh, distilledorganics.com is a redirect or salishseaorganicliqueurs.com. Wow, so fun. Thanks for being here. Well, actually, thanks for pouring me some tasty treats from Salish Sea Organic Liqueurs. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, that's quite the party over there at Premier on Pine, and I had such a good time that I'm going to give you some more of that. We've got uh, um, Propolis Cider coming up next. They, too, were at the Premier on Pine, the SIP Northwest Magazine 5th Anniversary Party. Um, the Sailor Sea Organic Liqueurs are really, really cool, really tasty, as you can tell. I was enjoying them thoroughly. And uh, I've got a very, very unique cider company coming up next. It's Propolis, and uh, their ciders are amazingly unique, something you've probably never tried, uh, never had yet, but uh, I see them at uh, Whole Foods and Met Market, and they're really um, an, an incredible story about people taking the next step of creativity. So uh, coming up in this next break, uh, we've got Propolis Cider from the fifth anniversary party of SIP Northwest Magazine. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. A look at the world from a Northwest perspective. Lars Larson, live, weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI, want to know weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm uh, This is part of our In the Vineyard series, and actually in the middle of a party series, I should call it. I'm at the SIP 5th Anniversary Summer Bash, and I'm enjoying some really wild uh, beers here. And I've got this new brewery from Port Townsend called Propolis, and I'm uh, speaking with Robert Horner, who is the brewer. Uh, Robert, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks. So let's talk about this. Uh, you have a very unique style of beer, and of, of ale, and this is really unique to Washington. Certainly not unique to the world of beers, but uh, let's talk about your style. Uh, sure, yeah. It's, um, we're kind of uh, combining a lot of uh, traditional influences and um, kind of local vernacular influences uh, to our home in Port Townsend, which is on the Olympic Peninsula. Um, very much inspired by French farmhouse ales, Belgium ales. Um, we kind of take that as a, a launching point uh, to explore uh, the terroir of our place. So we're wall crafting uh, things like nettles, spruce tips. Uh, we're growing herbs, working with local farmers for things like fennel. Um, we tap birch trees. Uh, a lot of these things incorporate themselves into our uh, farmhouse ales, so we really think of ourselves as a, you know, Pacific Northwest farmhouse ales. This is really exciting. Um, it's quite a unique flavor, and what I recognize is obviously being a sommelier, pretendomyces is something we chat about, but I hear it's, it's listed on this uh, beer called Zephyros. Let's talk about this beer. 
Yes, okay, so the Zephyros is our uh, Beltane ale. It's a uh, elderflower saison brett. So traditionally, uh, farmhouse ales were often brewed uh, on farms uh, for farm workers. They oftentimes incorporated a lot of wild yeast, uh, 100% most of the time. Uh, Brutonomyces, uh, there's various strains of Brutonomyces. We use uh, lots. Um, this particular ale uh, is really heavy on some of the tropical fruit attributes of Brett. So you're getting pineapple, tangerine, palmello. Um, this ale is also dry hop with some New Zealand raku hops. Uh, also kind of accentuating, it's one of those kind of complementary pairings where they, they uh, accentuate one another. So you're getting lime zest, peach, mango. Um, really fun, good acidity, so it's going to pair really nicely with fatty foods, cheese. Uh, we're really into uh, food pairings with our ales. We always list different sorts of foods. We like doing food events with uh, chefs. Um, I like doing food events with chefs, too. This is quite a unique uh, beverage, I'll say, and obviously an ale. It, the alcohol seems to be like 4 or 5 or, or close to 5? Uh, 7 and a half. No way. It's very, 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 very dry. Um, there, you know, we like a little higher ABV because we focus primarily on... Me too. Well, bottle, bottle conditioning, uh, the higher ABV is going to allow it to stay uh, preserved in the bottle, especially with the Brett beers. It's going to continue to consume some of those sugars for years. This is a great beer in the bottle to age for two, three years. Easy. And when did you get started here with Propolis Brewery? Uh, Propolis, we're about uh, three, years, three years now. Uh, we've been on a one-barrel system, so that's 31 gallons at a time. Uh, brewed 110 barrels last year. Uh, we're opening a new tap room just in about a month and a half, uh, jumping up to about a 15-barrel. Well, this is a really exciting beer. So how many other beers do you produce? Uh, last year we did 24. This year we're on track to do about 26. We do a lot of uh, very rare barrel, uh, one-barrel batches. You know, so we, for instance, or 31 ga gallon batches. Uh, well, excuse me, one one wine barrel or one bourbon barrel. So that's about two barrels, U.S. Uh, brewing barrels. So uh, Bordeaux barrel, we like to use those a lot. Those are 59 gallons. Uh, we do a lot of uh, Brett beers that are aged in uh, various wine barrels, Malbec, Syrah. We did a bourbon barrel-aged nettle quad. So we took a Belgium quad as the base, but then we finished it with Brett in a bourbon barrel. So you get tartness, acidity, and you get a very dry finish. And a lot of Belgium quads are very sweet. So we're just kind of playing with different styles in our own way and uh, accentuating the different herbs we use and the different yeasts we cultivate. Wow, very exciting. Well, you know, there's always a little bit of twang when it comes to Britannomyces, but this is a very well-balanced twang. It's got some depth. It's got, uh, uh, there's a smoothness to this and elegance um, and also this really exotic flavor, which uh, sort of takes you someplace where I'm, it's hard to find where I am in the world right now, but I, I guess I'm on the 40th floor, and maybe it's the altitude, but quite a lovely uh, lovely beer. And where um, where can we find these here out in the Seattle, King County area? Uh, most uh, specialty beer shops around town, uh, some of the Whole Foods around town. I know Whole Foods like Roosevelt, uh, those sorts of places have uh, our ales now. Awesome. Well, um, the, the brewery's called Propolis, is that correct? Yeah, we say Propolis. Uh, it actually means before city. Propolis, yeah. Propolis. And the website? Uh, propolisbrewing.com. 
Awesome. Robert Horner, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Yeah, cheers, Jeff. Thank you. Hey, you had a great time at the uh, SIP anniversary party, the fifth anniversary, SIP Northwest Magazine. you got to check this magazine out because all these cool uh, products that I'm tasting and enjoying myself with are all available um, for you to enjoy, read, see, picture, uh, visualize uh, from SIP Northwest Magazine. Check out their website, sipnorthwestmagazine.com. And remember, folks, uh, I've got a show called Happy Hour Radio. If you ever miss a show, you got to check it out online, happyhourradio.net. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!